boy, in those two hymns you find the mighty creedal stance, the creed of the Church of Jesus Christ. And what better way to enter worship and an attitude and a discipline than those first two hymns. Amazing love and in Christ alone. Before we begin, we have some time here. Let's, let's lift our hands towards Joyce and just thank God. Father, we just want to thank you for Joyce's return here. And we thank you that you took her from grave depths to your presence. And we thank you that she's here to worship and praise the Lord. We thank you for Mike and Nona and their persistence. And thank you for all the prayers of the people. And, and she just truly grateful for all those who are remembering Joyce in our thoughts and prayers. As we enter worship, what better ways than to praise you, O Lord, during these two praise and worship hymns. So we've dedicated these two numbers to Joyce and her reappearance in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to welcome all those by way of television this morning to all of it, United Methodist Church here in sunny Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Consider it a real privilege and an honor to come in. And for many of you, this is the only opportunity that you have to worship by way of television, by way of radio and Twitter and other means of communication. And we thank you for your response. We thank you for your, your presence. And we thank you for worshiping with us. And our opening hymn, is in dedication to all those faithful, faithful worshipers by way of television, our organ hymn in one of our members who was on a kind of an associate staff, Glenn Hoff's birthday, Christ for the World We Sing Purple, hymnals number 568, 568 please. Maybe you've been seated for a while and you may want to stand. that hymn gives to us today and as we ask the Lord's testimony we believe that insert the honor and glory of God in the birthday of Clement.
Amen. So we turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you again for this glorious day that you've provided for us. And, and when we can read the, my clear title, when we can read my title clear to mansions and skies, we'll bid farewell to every fear and wipe away our weeping eyes, wipe away our weeping eyes, and we can look to glory. And should earth against our souls engage and fiery darts be hurled, then we can smile at Satan's rage and we can face a frowning world and face a frowning world. And let cares like a wild deluge come and storms of sorrows fall, but wait, we will always be safely in the reach of our heavenly home and in your care and your provision, my God, my heaven. There shall come a bath for every weary soul in the seas of heavenly rest, and not a wave of trouble will roll across our peaceful breast. We thank you, Father, for bringing Joyce back to us, and we thank you for the tremendous care that you received, and for Nona and Mike, and the tremendous prayers and love that were extended in her direction. We thank you for other members of our congregation that make it possible for Jan to be with us, for Barb and the Standel family. We pray that you continue to be with the Curtis Joe and Jeannie Winterall as they travel and others travel. We thank you this day as we come into your worship and praise as we examine very closely Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 32, and how fickle human nature is. Just within a few seconds, they were worshiping Christ, and then they were going to take him to the brow and, and cast him down over the cliff. Jesus was in the midst of them, and Jesus ministered, and they could find no fault no evil in his life. And we pray, Father, this, this day as we examine our hearts and our lives and as we look forward, that may, may we all speak well of Jesus. We just pray your presence now upon your scripture, upon your word, as we examine Luke chapter 4, 21 through 32. In Jesus' name, amen. Mike, would you please come? As we look at Luke chapter 4, 21 through 32, you'll notice, you'll find that in your church Bibles, your church Bibles on page 61 in the New Testament. And I'd like to begin back just with a scripture from last week, in verse 20. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down in the home. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can you picture what was going on? He just shared a sermon, a word from Isaiah. Everybody was looking at him intently, and they didn't have a book in those days. They didn't have any pages, but they had animal skins or scrolls. In the words of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet in the Old Testament. And then it says in verse 21, Jesus began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then all spoke what? Well. Well, well of Jesus. And they were amazed at the gracious words that came from Jesus' mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also, do you hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum? They wanted some miracles and the mysteries. 
of God explained to them. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many. There were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over the, all the land. And yet Elijah, and then the mighty man that Elijah was, was sent to none of them except to a widow, Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers, lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage, filled with rage. And, and they got up, they drove Jesus out of the town, and led Jesus to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl Jesus over the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and he went on his way and he went down to Capernaum, the city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astounded at his teachings because he spoke with authority. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Hey, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Lord God is a synagogue he sat down after he read the book of Isaiah to the congregation. He didn't sit to listen to a sermon. He had prepared his own. He was simply a long time for the scripture they read, he read to sink in until he gave his sermon. He made a statement that astounded the congregation. He knew every eye was on him when he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Isaiah was speaking of him as the anointed, as the anointed one. And now it's time for Jesus himself to release the captives and the oppressed. The prophets had spoken and written of future events. Jesus confirmed that was happening right now when he spoke in the temple. They could almost sense the grace in the words that he spoke because they were drenched in grace. When he read gracious words in verse 22, that refers to the depth and sweetness of the manner he spoke in. They were astounded and needed to reconcile it with the boy they knew was the carpenter's son. They previously only knew this great speaker of the word that way. He was just Joseph and Mary's son. They did not understand how or why such godly grace came out of his mouth as those words were drenched. He stood up when he spoke. And he followed it with a question to the congregation. Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here also in your own country. See, they, they wanted Jesus to perform miraculous signs and prove his claims. When he said, heal thyself, he knew the crowd was thinking, if you were able to to heal the undeserving people of Capernaum, you should be able to do that even better with your own people. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said that those in Jerusalem wanted to see Jesus do the same kind of miraculous song he did in Capernaum. Truly I say to you, when Jesus says truly, that means pay attention. No prophet is acceptable in his own country. He said this because he knew that their familiarity with him as a carpenter's son was strong. But he continued talking about the widows in, in Jerusalem in the days of Elijah, where heaven was shut three years and six months. Then came a great famine. This was said because he knew that those familiar with him as the carpenter's son would expect special treatment and even more miracles than the Gentiles received in Capernaum. For this, you please reference 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14. We may, we may not be familiar with the story, but those attending the temple were, and so was Jesus. Then Jesus spoke of the angel of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 14. Now Naaman was a Gentile and even worse, a Roman soldier. 
The Nazareth crowd hadn't yet rejected Jesus. They expected much more from him than what he had done for Gentiles, because they were, of course, his people, so they expected more. Being Jewish and not Gentile, they expected more exclusive, exclusive privilege and favor from Jesus. It upset and angered them when he mentioned that, that they rose up, grabbed Jesus, and led him up to a hill. Now here they're planning on killing him. This, of course, was his time. But they were either going to throw him off the cliff or stone him to death. But somehow Jesus miraculously disappeared out of their midst. Leviticus 24, 14. They brought him out of town to the cliff because Leviticus chapter 24, verse 14 says that when you stone people, you have to go out of town. But during the trip where they were planning on killing him, he simply vanished. He returned to Capernaum and was teaching at the Sabbath. Once again, the listeners were amazed and astonished as words because they just literally dripped of grace and favor. Here, he amazed them because he spoke with authority. Now, back then, it was not custom to speak with any authority. When you spoke, specifically the temple or synagogue people, you would say, Rabbi, Rabbi so-and-so said this, or they did this or that, but you didn't take authority in yourself to share the word. You would always reference other people. It was not the custom to speak with any authority then, like I said. And when you spoke directly to people, you would always quote others. Jesus did not speak this way. He wasn't quoting others. He would say things like, and I say to you, and I, should, I tell you you should do this. With godly authority, because he had it and he was full of it. Godly authority. So good to have Tina back in our midst too. And she's been going through a lot of bouts, some physical challenges, and then some falls. How many falls did you have? Two falls. One was a, through a carpet, um, you know, at, at work and it fell on a kind of a, was it a, like a rockwell when you're restoring it? Oh, and as a result, you had a minor concussion in there, too. Mike, do you want to come up and share just what Tina shared? We grabbed one of the mics down there. And Mike, get the mic. staying there with his mom all that time. <laughs> what would you have done without Mike to take care of the house at home? You know, we may be small in numbers, but did you want to comment on that, Mike? Isn't this tremendous to kind of bring updates one with another? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for him who's gone through a lot of ordeals and surgeries and lost her husband and is recovering and recuperating and traveling miles to be with us. So faithful at Sunday school and, and worship. We, we pray, Father, that that this anticipated surgery that they that it would it would be something that would be evaluated very closely because this is a very tenuous, serious surgery. We thank you for the return of Joyce and 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 we thank you for Kenan and amidst her falls and her uh, challenges, health challenges. We do pray for Curtis Joe and Jeannie and those who are traveling. We thank you for Darwin and Marilyn and for those who attended the Legion omelet breakfast and for sparing him no broken bones or shattered hips. 
Help us be very careful on these descending months of, of, of winter when we become a little overconfident and possibly it could fall. Thank you for the many faithful prayer warriors here and thank you for those who have been so serious and intent studying our the Bibles, books of the Bible on Wednesday at the Zoom class and as we move from the major prophets to the minor prophets to the books of the New Testament and you've just instilled within us a great knowledge of the books of the Bible and how there's such a unified theme of when we come to God in repentance, when we turn from ourselves and we turn to God and those by way of television and by way of radio and other means of communication, it, repentance is something that as we turn from ourselves and as we turn to God, we find that our destiny is, is secured in Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. And among the nature of our human sinfulness, we witness in Scripture today how they were proclaiming Jesus as, oh, we've never heard such a miraculous sermon and words, but just a few moments later they were going to latch onto him, take him out of, the, out of the city and throw him off the bluff, the, off the cliff, and they wanted to extinguish that the light of the eternal within him. Father, help us to be bold and, and strengthened in the days that we live in. This flip-flop culture and the fake news that we hear so much about, and we help us to be discerners of the times that we live in. When according to prophecy, we see the world falling apart, it's basically falling into place. As we see the loss of so much power, as we see the Russian buildup on Ukraine, as I was fortunate enough to perform a wedding of a Ukrainian widow and a Methodist minister here just a few weeks ago. We, we thank you, Father, that she was very concerned about her friends and her relatives and her family back in the Ukraine. Very tenuous there. And then the show of power that's going on between Red China and Taiwan and so much chaos and confusion. We all, all have much to pray about in our own current administration. We pray for some godliness and some wisdom, restoration. We pray that God may bring all our leaders to a sense of repentance that according to the book of Chronicles, that if, if, if my people which are called according to my name shall give up their wicked ways and repent, then I shall hear their prayers. We pray, Father, that you would hear our prayers as we turn to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. This is kind of a celebration of service today because so many of are returning and traveling. And those of you, by way of television, as we remember you and your thoughts and prayers, and many of you that have called in or wrote in, we do confidentially pray um, for you. Um, some do not like to have their names mentioned on, on television. I always try to be very careful to get the permission of the particular person. Uh, I don't want to have any secondhand permission, but if you have a particular prayer request that you would like to bring and allow us to have a all call, we do have the capability within all of the United Methodists to one call, one call reach the homes of many of our um, parishioners. And, and I've always challenged our parishioners to try to put down whatever they're doing and remember this particular prayer concerns immediately. These great lessons in our scripture today stand out on the face of this passage here and each of these deserves close attention of all who desire spiritual wisdom, and I hope and pray that we're all kind of seeking spiritual wisdom today. We learn, for one thing, how apt people are to despise, despise the, the highest privilege when they are familiar with that privilege. Then secondly, we learn, for another thing, 
um, how bitterly human nature dislikes the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, and we'll look into what the sovereignty of God is if you're not quite sure what sovereignty of God is. And then lastly, this morning, we're going to look at this passage, how diligently we ought to persevere, how it is so humanly possible to give up. But God wants us to persevere in well-doing, notwithstanding, not giving in any forms of discouragement, but to be encouraged one with another. The first thing we learn in these few brief passages of Scripture, how apt people, people, human individuals like you and I, are to despise the highest privileges. We're such a tremendously blessed country, and we, we've seen so many privileges being taken and threatened just in the last few months. Privileges that we are all familiar with. We, we see in the conduct of the people of Nazareth when they had heard the Lord Jesus preach. Can you imagine the authentic Jesus coming to our church and preaching? We've had preachers and we've had generals in our congregation. I've had them share of Jesse Jackson and political leaders and that from both sides. But they hear in Nazareth, his hometown, Jesus began to preach. And I know how somewhat difficult this is because I grew up near Eagle Bend, was near Berthelio Ricetown, and that was the first appointment that I had just a few miles down the road from my hometown. And they, they knew I grew up on a farm and was from a humble beginning, and the only really achievements that I achieved was academically and athletically. And... And we shared the same paper at Berthelieu at Wrightstown as Eagle Bend, which is true today, too. We see in the conduct of the people of Nazareth, when they had heard the Lord Jesus preach, they, they could, could find no fault. They could find no fault in, in his sermon. They could point to no inconsistency in his past life and his conversations, but, but because the preacher, the preacher had dealt among them 30 years, he associated with him for some 30 years, and his face and his voice and his appearance were so familiar, familiar to them, they would not receive his doctrine. Reminds me of a time when I um, was the youngest individual in my, my class in my junior year, but I was able to get the farmer's permit to drive within 18 miles of my home. And 18 miles was, was a big deal when you're only 15 years old. And my parents had provided me with some transportation, so I provided transportation to a lot of my friends. I grew up probably eight or nine years old driving an old Harley-Davidson motorcycle and I elevated to a 1947 hearse. I'd load that hearse up with a number of people and we'd go to kind of the local dance hall and I came into the local dance hall. It was, it was always, it seemed like always there was a fight. Every Friday night there was a fight that was going on. And I can remember the bouncer who was at that time Fred Constantine, he was the um, mayor, mayor, or, I mean the um, constable, which we considered the policeman of local Eagle Bend. He was on duty on a Friday night, and his walk, as I, we walked in, and my crew, or my friends, we all walked in, and he said, oh, what can we do for you, preacher? And by that time, even at 15 years old, I developed a nickname, and that nickname has stuck with me many years, the preacher, the preacher. And it's interesting that they who were in the hometown, and, and even my district superintendent, when he appointed me to um, churches just four or five miles from Tom Walker, Tom Walker, DS, Dr. Tom Walker appointed me to the churches. He said, uh, 
We don't know how effective you'll be, but we're going to put you on like a six-month probation. Even at even within the first six months, people would come to listen to me share and to preach, and we doubled and we tripled congregations at Birth and Hill and Wrightstown. But because the preacher, which was Jesus in the scripture, had dealt, had dealt among them 30 years, and his face and his voice and his appearance were familiar to them, they would not receive his doctrine, his word, and what he basically preached was the Old Testament. So they were, couldn't separate the messenger from the message. They said to one another in the scripture, it says, is not this Joseph's son? Is it possible that one so-called well-known as this man can be the Christ? Could it be that the person that we rub shoulders with be the, the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God? And then they they drew from our Lord's lips, the very lips of Jesus, the psalm saying, no prophet is accepted in his own community. No prophet is accepted in his own community, country. You and I, we, we need to do well to remember this lesson in the matter of the ordinances and the means of grace that God has utilized in our lives. We are always in the danger of undervaluing, undervaluing people when we have given, been given such a great abundance in life. I've been deployed and been in many countries, even in Israel and Rome and Greece and other non-American, non-Christian countries. And it's always been like a privilege to share that I was a United States citizen. Times when I was in the military and that, the, the tremendous respect that military received in foreign countries. We are apt to think lightly of the privilege of an open Bible. I've been in lands where Bibles have actually been forbidden. When we were deployed to Saudi, and I think, Mike, you probably experienced things, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, where Kuwait, you know, by, he, didn't, he didn't want to expose a Bible. No Bible. Yeah. He didn't want to go to jail. You didn't want to bring a negative sense to the United States presence. We are always in the danger of undervaluing the fact that we are United States citizens. We serve God. We serve country. We have such a great abundance. We are, we are apt to think lightly of the privilege of an open Bible, a, a, a preached gospel, and the liberty of meeting together for public worship. You take, in many countries, the greatest persecution is that people cannot gather and have a Bible present. We grow up in the midst of these things, these great privileges, these great pursuits of happiness, and we're so accustomed to have them without any trouble, without any struggle, without any difficulty. And the consequence is that we often, we often hold them very cheap. The cheapness of the sanctity of marriage we hold them very cheap and underrate the extent of all the mercies that we are given. And let us take heed to our own spirit in the use of these sacred things, these sacred things that within many parts of the world are looked upon as almost demonic. Often we may read the Bible. Let us never read the Bible without its deep sense of reverence. Reverence. Often as we hear the name of Jesus Christ, it should not be in vain. And often we hear the name of Christ, let us never forget that Jesus is the one mediator. Jesus is the one mediator between you and I and God. I remember a quick thing, and I still do it, that whenever I hear a swear word around somebody, I'll, I'll just say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I try to praise the Lord at least 10 times when somebody uses a curse. Even the very man of it, came down from heaven was at length scorned by the Israelites. The Israelites said, oh, God, you took us out of Egypt, but you give us this light bread, according to Numbers 21.5. It's an evil day when our very own souls, when Christ is in the midst of us, and yet, because of our familiarity with all the blessings that we've been granted with his name, Jesus is lightly, very lightly esteemed. 
We learn for another thing, secondly, how bitterly human nature dislikes the very doctrine of the sovereignty of God. How would you describe the sovereignty of God? We see this as a conduct of the, the people of Nazareth. When our Lord reminded them that God, God was under no obligation to work miracles among them, that we take for granted the miracles just because we're a Christian nation. And at that time, a nation that tried to serve God. Because Jesus responded and he says, were there not many widows? Widows in the days of Elijah? And no doubt there were a lot of widows. Widows throughout all history have lived longer. and Women have lived longer than the men. Yet none of them was the prophet sent to. Elijah, and all were passed over in favor of a Gentile, a Gentile widow at Serapath. And then he also responds and he tells the audience, were there not many lepers? Lepers, the estranged in Israel in the days of Elisha? After Elijah, there was Elisha. No doubt there were many, 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 yet to none of them was the privilege of healing. Healing granted. And Naaman, the story of Naaman, he was all upset because Elisha said, go and dip yourself so many times. He thought, why, why do I go to that certain, I can, I can take a bath in a lake near. But it was an act of obedience. And Naaman, the Syrian, he was a Syrian, Syrian was the only one who was cleansed. Such doctrine as this was intolerable to the people of Nazareth. It wounded their pride. Have you, has your pride ever been wounded? Have you ever been wounded in some sense of self-conceit? Are you trusting more in your name and your so-called legacy? Because they were trusting in their pride and their self-conceit. And it taught them that God was was no debtor, no debtor to humans, and that if they themselves passed over, they were passed over in the distribution of God's mercies. They had no right, no right to find fault. They could not bear it. And it said, what, would, what was the response? They were filled with wrath. I don't think I need to describe what wrath and the outcome of wrath was. They became very devious and demonic. We see it in our elections. They thrust our Lord out of the city. They thrust him out of the city. And I can imagine how they did that. And, they, and had it not been for an exercise of miraculous power on Jesus' part, they would have doubtless have put Jesus to, to a very violent death, throwing him over the brow of the cliff and killing him as they did with many that did not necessarily agree with him. And of all the doctrines of the Bible, none is so offensive to human nature, your nature, my nature, as the doctrine of God's sovereignty, how God works in his sovereign way, his sovereign way. When at the depths of the depths, when Joyce, you were seeing those angels in the transition and coming back and forth and... and my lips were tight about referring because you, you, there are a growing number of people that just want, you know, kind of confidential pri private prayers and private visitations. Of all the doctrines of the Bible, none is so offensive to human nature as the doctrine of God's sovereignty, how God works. To be told that God is great, to be told that God is just, to be told that God is holy, to be told that God is pure, we can bear that. We can endorse that. We believe that. But to be told that he hath mercy on those whom he hath mercy, and that he giveth an account, uh, that he hath no account of his matters, that is, that not of him that willeth, not of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy, the merciful ways of God, 
There are truths that natural person, the natural mind cannot comprehend and understand. They often call forth all a sense of enmity against God, and they fill the human beings with the spirit of wrath. Nothing, in short, will make one submit to them that, but the humbling teaching of the Holy Ghost. And people come to me and they say, they're led of the Spirit of God. I, I wonder what spirit sometimes they're led of. But let you and I settle in our minds that, that whether, whether we like it or not, the sovereignty of God is a doctrine clearly revealed in the Bible and, and a fact that's clearly to be seen in the world, how God utilizes and moves. And upon no other principle can we ever explain why some members, some members of a family are converted and others live and die in sin. Why some quarters of the earth are enlightened by Christianity and others remain buried in, in heathenism. One account only can be given of all of this, that all of it is ordered by the sovereign hand of God. Let us pray for humility and respect of this very deep thing. Let us remember that our life, your life and my life is but a vapor. And doesn't it seem that that vapor starts to dissipate and break after about the 40th and 50th year and as you enter in 60, it just accelerates? Let us remember that our life is but a vapor and that our best knowledge compared to that of God is is perfectly, perfectly folly. Let us be thankful for such a light as we enjoy ourselves and use it diligently, diligently while we have it. And let us not doubt that at the last day, the whole world shall be convinced that he who knew gives us an account of his matters, has done all things well, done all things well, and lastly this morning, goes by way of television and radio and YouTube, and we're so grateful for those who, as we run over at times and certain things in the worship service get elongated, we're one of the only programs that, that are so appreciative of our television station and radio station. Let's go on a few minutes. We, we learned lastly from this passage how diligently we ought to persevere. We ought to persevere in well-doing notwithstanding even at some forms of discouragement, we are doubtless meant to draw, draw upon this lesson from the, the conduct of our Lord after his rejection in Nazareth. Being a firstborn, firstborns have a tendency to really please and they have a tendency to have a high degree profile on rejection. And Jesus was the firstborn here, he was of nature divine nature. But we see the conduct of our Lord after his rejection at Nazareth. Nothing moved by the treatment that he received, he patiently, very patiently works on. The scripture next week will be examining what, what occurred next week. Nothing moved by the treatment he received, he patiently worked on, thrust out of that one place, he, he passes on to another place, cast forth from Nazareth. He, he comes to Capernaum, and there he teaches on the Sabbath day. Such ought to remind you and I to be of a conduct of the people, the people of Christ. Whatever this work they are called to do, and we are called to do, they should patiently continue in it and not give up for want of success. Whether preachers or teachers or leaders in churches or visitors or missionaries, they must labor on and not grow faint. There is often more striving in the hearts and the consciences of people than those who teach and preach to them than we are truly aware of. There is a preparatory work to be done in many a part of God's vineyard, God's vineyard and the activity of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the Christians, which, which is just as needful as any other work, though not so agreeable to the flesh and the blood. There must be sores, 
as well as reboots. There must be some to break up the ground and pick out the stones as well as some to gather in the harvest. But let each of us labor on in our own place. The day comes when each shall be rewarded, each one of us from pulpit to pew, each shall be rewarded for their faithfulness and according to their work. Let each labor on in their own place. The day comes when each shall be rewarded according to their work. The, the very discouragements we meet with will enable us to show the world that there, there are such things as faith, such things as patience. And when others see us working on in spite of the treatments that like that which Jesus received at Nazareth, it, it makes them think. It makes the world scratch their heads and wonder. It convinces them that at all events, we are persuaded that we have truth. We have truth on our side. Father, this morning as we view your word and, and how people, even in Jesus' day, spoke well of him, but then just in a few moments later, they, they turned on him. The fickleness of human nature, the bipolarness of humanity and the culture that we live in. With every head bowed and every eye closed, help us very, very conscientiously and very deliberately and very intentionally repent. Turn from ourselves, turn to thee, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto us. Those by way of television and radio and other means of communication this morning, may we say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, forgive our unfaithfulness, and we thank you for your faithfulness. We repent, we turn from ourselves, and we turn to you. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be, be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn with me to our bulletins, to our offertory prayer, and if you'd be so kind to pray this prayer as the ushers come forward this morning, wait upon you for your tithes and offering from Scripture taken from 1 Corinthians. Loving God, we have been blessed with so much through your goodness. And as we bring our gifts in gratitude this morning, you remind us that it doesn't matter what we have in our lives. If we do not have love, we have nothing. This love is not the love of Valentine's Day and not even the love we feel among families, which are both rich blessings. You long, long for us to experience agape love, the love of the world, the love for which those who don't have even known. Open our eyes and our hearts. In Christ, our teacher, we pray. Amen. Would you join me in our offertory hymn, Here I Am, Lord, Purple Hymnals, number 593, please.
please stand for the doxology? Father God, we, we pray that we would be in covenant with thee. We are no longer our own but thine. Put us to what thou wilt, rank us with whom thou wilt. Put us to doing, put us to suffering. Let us be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let us be full, let us be empty, let us have all things, let us have nothing freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and to thy disposal. And now, O glorious God and blessed God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so it be, and be in covenant which we have made on earth. Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we've forgiven our debtors to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.